so uh, it leads actually into something else that uh, a you know a guy with a lot of perspective and a, a working actor uh, of uh, tremendous ilk, uh, Michael Caine. You know, he said something in his book, uh, which I love. Um, uh, he is talking about <clears throat> doing accents. And he mm -hmm. said, when you're doing accents, uh, and I'll, I'll come to, uh, to you in a second, but he said, when you're doing accents, it actually is very difficult because it takes, uh, it takes away and it takes your concentration and it takes you away from the scene. Now, you had a chance to do a lot of accents in different films. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you've done South African accent when you were on Lifetime in the Oscar Pistorius uh, story. The uh, the Blade Run uh, Killer, I believe, uh, Blade Runner Killer, or something to that effect. You know, sure. you've uh, you've done a Russian accent. You've done other accents. Have yeah. you found uh, that when you're doing an accent, it's more difficult uh, for you to act, or you found that you know an accent is a part of the character and it's easier for you and it doesn't take it away at all? It has to do with approach, I think. I think what I found the approach that works for me is um, I initially bifurcate the accent work with the script analysis and the other work I have to do in that yeah. I'll start using the accent in my everyday life. Yeah. I'll actively use it while, while I'm, while I'm doing the scene, because I think there is a temptation, especially me who like, I love acting. I, 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 I really just love the process of acting. And, and sometimes that, that can lead to a preciousness and a, an enjoyment of your own work sometimes that isn't helpful. So I know like, um, there's a temptation if you dig into the script right away with the accent, like I wind up enjoying myself. The accent will wind up leading the choices, right? Because I'll wind up enjoying doing the, enjoying myself doing the accent in this, the given circumstances of, of, of the story, which isn't helpful. Um, so what I will usually do is I will um, use the accent in my everyday life as much as I can so that it becomes facile and uh, I don't have to work at it. It's not something I have to put on. It's something more, you know, yeah. um, uh, that I have a, a greater facility with. And then it, we'll start, you know, doing all the rehearsals and all the script analysis and, and all that work on, on the uh, the script without the accent. And then at some point I'll merge the two. Um, but I, yeah, I did that for for um, the Lifetime movie. It's actually what I did for um, to get into the actor studio. Um, I did mm -hmm. Patrick Marber's Closer, right? Again. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, uh, I knew I just liked the, again, I probably knew it like like maybe 15 plays total at the time. And I remember a friend who I respected, um, I think it was Matthew Pavich gave me gave me a, a copy of, of Closer. And I was like, again, as a young man, you know, 20, 21, this, this resonated with me. And so I knew it was British. And so I walked around for like a month with like my British accent while I rehearsed the play and went and did the scene and um, dropped it. This I think I spoke to Lipton that day in, in my British accent and then dropped it the second I walked out. Um, wow. of, yeah. So I, I find um, uh, with accents, that's the, usually the best way for me to work on them is to bifurcate it so that my acting choices aren't being led by the accent. Interesting. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, um, I, I've done accents in films and uh, I, you know, because I don't do what you were, uh, what you were doing and because uh, I have to kind of uh, drop into it and then come uh, kind of pop out. You know, there was a part of my brain in the scenes 
that was constantly monitoring am i pronouncing it correctly am i am i in the right thing and you know that that was not helpful so i'm, I'm going to try your approach next time yeah i would recommend. yeah and by the way sometimes that also that depends on time right yeah. you know like with the with the lifetime movie i had you know um i had you know almost i had a month to prepare um there's also a crazy story about that i, I broke my leg right before i did that movie um oh my god um, okay yeah um but like you know there's times that like i've got an audition where like there'll be an accent on it and you're going in tomorrow like i've got the sides like 10 a.m like a monday and like by the way you're going in tuesday at 2 p.m and okay. so you'll you know often make some decisions then about you know what i'm doing accent wise then because you don't have the same type of osmosis process um very good all right, let's get to billions. Uh, let's let's talk about the show that that I love. Um, you have a very interesting role, and um, you know, yeah. some sometimes sometimes they give you some rain, sometimes they they kind of uh, you know give you less. But it's I when I started kind of doing my my prep on you, and um, I thought, okay, here's a guy who's doing jujitsu, you know, for a long time. Here's an athletic uh, guy. He's a, he's a manly man, and he's been uh, you know put into a position where he's playing somebody who is you know much more submissive. You know how does that you know how does that work? In talking to you, I see that you're very introspective, and you're you're not you know kind of the person that I was uh, initially thinking about when I was reading your uh, your credits. So mm. now it's less of a question, but did that ever kind of come up because again in in the character choices we either are ourselves we're completely different from the you know from ourselves or we're somewhere in the middle you know right. when you have to play somebody who's more submissive in a way uh as as the chef ryan has to be because he's you know he's playing around huge egos most of the time now um, right. you find that easier or more difficult to do because of who you are um wow what a fantastic question it once I became clear on, uh, or at least once I thought I was clear on what you know David and Brian wanted from me for the character, um, I was I was very aware of like how important you know um, these people were in their realms, right? That uh, Axe and, and yeah. Chuck and Wendy and Taylor and um wags right that how 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 much machismo and how much hubris and how much you know earned gravitas they have in terms of um uh, uh, uh their their importance in in their world how they stride to their world like giants right they stride to them like gods and that my character um i think what helped me when i was really researching you know what it would take to be a personal chef to somebody you know like mm -hmm. axe that I think what clicked for me, and I've never spoken about this with Dave and Brian, so I, you know, maybe at some point we'll have a discussion about about how correct I am. But I know my my perception of it was, this is a this was a guy who could have done restaurants, right? Could have been Anthony Mangieri, right? Could have, you know, oh. could have done his open his own spot, right? Which is incredibly competitive, incredibly speculative, incredibly challenging industry to go into, even when you're a great artist, which is you know what, what chefs are. Um, and so as I was thinking about, well, why would, why would he take this gig instead of that? 
that was sort of my way in of like for whatever for whatever reason and i my own reasons um ryan mm -hmm. didn't want to do that ryan didn't want to go you know be david chang and run a restaurant and grind at that and compete and and um th there was there was going to be a demand on his life and on his soul and on his psyche and on his body physically that mm -hmm. um he did not follow that path and so i made some choices as about why he didn't follow that path that i think helped me come to the place that you may have observed which is very rarely have i um you know uh, very rarely am, am i striding through that world you know yeah. uh, with a lot of machismo and that even on the rare occasion when i've done it there's a it's it's a thing i'm putting on it's a there's a falseness to it it's not earned um yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting the way that you're describing it i, I go back to sabrina um and uh the chauffeur right why did this in, intelligent a wonderful man decided to be a chauffeur for uh, for the Larrabee family, and it's right. because he wanted to read, and uh, you know that was a life choice. So maybe you know maybe Chef Ryan, uh, you know, has something else that's important to him with his time, and then he you know uh, he's a chef uh, yeah. as as the you know outlet of that. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting way to think about it. I think everybody everybody figures out, not figures out. Because I think sometimes it takes a long time to figure out. But I think everybody has, you know, we talk about like, go to like Stanislavski's like super objective or, or whatever. Um, yeah. I think everybody does have that in life, this idea of like what's really important to you. I know um, people, I think we all know this. Like I, I know people in my life who um, the job they have is really just a mechanism by which they can substantiate what's really important to them which is their family right so they have their wife or husband they have their kids and and being able to you know the the job is just to be anything but it's what it provides is is uh the support system by which they can um really do what they want other people are committed entirely to their job right there i you know i think about this now that like my identity so much is wrapped up in the idea of you know the arts not to be and I say that because a big part of my life is also martial arts, right? But um, that, you know, I've made life choices where I've decided, like, these are the things that are going to be important to me. Um, um, and that sometimes will require sacrifices in other aspects of my life. Um, and I I think Chef Ryan is no different. I think, listen, he makes a really good living, right? But yeah, does. There, are, there are alternate paths you can see he could have taken. Yep. Um, are reasons why he did not take them. Yeah. And by the way, my my initial impression when I saw, you know, in in the, I don't remember which was the first episode that you were in, but, you know, whatever that was, my first impression was like, oh, okay, so he's a chef, but he's also a bodyguard. You know, that was my first impression. Uh, yeah, it, that's, that's, that's my view. I'm like, that makes sense. You know, right. X... The ex needs somebody who he can trust, who's a, who's a protector in the home, and that's that's the guy. That's Chef Ryan. Okay, so I'm gonna pitch Dave and Brian, that's amazing. I'm gonna pitch that. <laughs> Listen, this is this is an area that they can explore because you do have the you know you do have the background. We're gonna get to martial arts in a second. I'm I'm all for it. I think that would be a fascinating uh, thing. And again, just you call them up. 
Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about it after the fact to make sure that uh, you know, nobody else has the number. Um, right. <laughs> the other aspect of it was like, dude, you know, Wags is wailing on you. X is wailing on you. And these are you know these are incredible actors who I love. I think they're just you know I watch I watch the show because of them. But in terms of you being Tim and thinking. Okay, at some point I'm going to uh, I'm going to take you I'm going to take you down and I'm, you know as I'm looking at you I'm thinking of the various ways I can kill you right now you know it's right. just, me that juxtaposition is just so funny uh, as as I watch it it's it's great. Oh, thank you. It's that yeah that wag scene yeah there's there's also I think what was important for me on that is there's there's limits um, in Every relationship is specific, right? Yeah. And there's people who there's there's people who do get to yell at you, and they just get to yell at you. There's yeah. people who get to yell at you up to a point, and there's people who get to yell at you, but you're not happy about it. And there's people who just don't get to yell at you. And yeah, um, yeah that shooting that scene, by the way, I, I I cannot agree with you more. By the way, if if you think those actors are wonderful to to watch, um, it's the best set. The people are everybody on on that set the crew the cast are just exemplary people in addition to being and you know that starts with dave and brian who i just have the you know yeah. dave and brian are the best um and I, I when i think about you know being on set for that show what, I, what i'm always very interested in is is they've done this wonderful thing where everybody in the sh on the show is both an exemplary person so really class person but then also really great at their jobs and so i there's clearly some link at that but i sometimes you know as an intellectual exercise i wonder which came first right um were they was it them being an exemplary person which allowed them to to become exemplary at their jobs or does being ex i think about it sometimes even just talk, when i watch the, the crew do stuff right damien is the best maggie is the best Cassie's the best they're, they're all so wonderful um as people and have been so supportive and, and generous and kind to me um which i'm grateful for uh because obviously as you said like um they're carrying the show i'm not carrying the show so the fact that i just get to be in scenes with them and still how gracious they are and supportive and it's just it's it's the best set but it's, sometimes i'll watch like the crew right and obviously like in any set especially a set like ours right there's going to be problem solving that needs to be done how do we get a thing done and i'm just i've been struck so many times when like one department will come over to the other department and be like hey listen can we not do that because i've got to do this thing and i don't know what they're talking about i don't you know <laughs> I, I i don't know sound and, and, and lighting and, and transpo and all. i'm aware of the departments but i don't really know how they work but i'll watch a conversation between them and it's so easy where they're like well yeah but i need to do this thing so can you do this? And they're like, oh yeah, well, if you want to do that, then I'll just do the other thing I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize like, oh, one of the reasons like that there's never any, from what I've experienced, there's never any tension in the set and everyone is lovely to each other. Partly everybody seems like lovely people, but also everybody's so good at their job. I think sometimes some tension arrives on set when like there's a limitation to how you can do your job and you get frustrated because, well, I can only do it this way or I need this thing to happen. and Again, there's so many departments that need to work in sync, and sometimes there's a collision of, of needs. 
And what I'm just so blown away by on the set is how everybody seems so facile and skilled at their job that part of the reason there's everybody's so lovely is because I think they're just lovely people, but also they're so good at their jobs. Like there's no reason for there to be tension. Yeah. Does that, that makes any sense, but I'm just, I'm, I'm very struck by that, by how, how skilled they are at navigating um, uh, the procedure of what they need to get done and how, how expertly they do that, both on a craft level and on a personal level. Yeah, it's again, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm blown away every time I watch it. I, I stop and I kind of rewatch certain scenes because to me it's acting school. You know, aside from the show just being incredible for the show perspective, it's it's an acting school. There are just it's it's amazing what you can glean just from watching them work. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm blown away by it. For me, that's you know, I'm glad that I you know I get to sit here and talk with you. I'm glad that like people, you know, sometimes recognize me from the show. It's kind of goofy. People are like, hey, you're chef. Uh, you know, I always feel a little goofy about that, but I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that I get to work as an actor on a show that's important. But for me. Um, the thing for which I'm most grateful, and I have a you know list of things for which I could be grateful for being a, a part of that show, but that's the number one thing is that I get to sit with masters of their craft, and there's so many times I get to just witness how they handle things, how they navigate issues on set, how they approach a scene, and um, you know every once in a while if I can, like I'll, I'll watch you know watch them live and then i'll go back behind set to see what it looks like on camera and to figure out what you know i'm trying to soak up as much as i can in terms of of uh uh skill and craft and and demeanor and everything i can and because how could you not when you're on a set like that when you get to watch maggie and asia and, and costi and and damien do their thing it's like you know i'm giamatti right i'm 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 trying to soak up everything I can because I, for me, it, it is exactly what you said. It feels in a lot of ways, that's one of my acting schools. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I would love to make a living as an actor, but I would gladly pay to be on billions just to be there. It's, get paid it's, work. Get paid, make sure you get paid, get paid your work. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it's the acting equivalence of, you know, going to, uh, going to an immersion uh, program where, you know, I, if, if I get to, uh, to play baseball with the Cubs or just even to be in the clubhouse and, and witness it, you know, it's, it's that thing of I'm here. I don't care about anything else. I don't need to be fed. I just want to soak it all in. That's, that's, that's billions for me. So I'm glad it's, it's the same on the inside as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, one one offshoot. Um, I'm so used to kind of uh, you know you on sh as as Chef Ryan. I I literally had a double take. You know uh, the fans of the show uh, in the last um, in the last uh, season, which hopefully is going to get you know uh, you get you guys will get to finish it soon. But um, the the new character, his name escapes me at the moment, but the new character who plays the painter that uh, you know uh, is is a friend of uh, Magina. Um, he and you have a lot in common where when he showed up, I'm like, wait, he's, no, that's not Chef Ryan. So like there was a moment where I'm like, wait a second, did something change? 
because again, there's there's the you know the, the season gets done, you have to wait a long time before the new season comes on. So right. I started watching it and I'm like, what? okay, all right, I'm I'm back now. This is it. But I mean, uh, Frank Grillo is yeah. uh, an amazing actor. Uh, yeah. He's also martial arts. We talked a bit about jujitsu on set and, and stuff. Um, because uh, we, you know, we, we've trained with some of the same people, and obviously mm. he's a martial artist, so we we um, we connected that way. But like, what he's also a ridiculously like attractive man. So like, for you to even say that like there would be any resemblance is uh, uh, <laughs> wild praise. I'll take it. But wow, um, that's that's kind of you to say. Um, yeah, he's he's. I think he's been a really interesting addition to to the show. Um, not only not only you know who his character is and how that's a challenge to you know, sort of the the relationships on, on the show as they pre-existed but um you know he's also very interesting to to watch and to act with in terms of the differences between um and it's not even styles of acting it's just uh, in, in a lot of what i'm going to say is in show it's not going to be very articulate but there's just it's not even just about watching actors who are trained differently, but also maybe what medium they've worked the most in. It's really interesting watching um, somebody like him who, uh, you know, um, is so skilled, but, you know, has done like a lot of, a lot of film and has done like a lot of tip, you know, like a lot of action movies, like he's done the Carnahan stuff, has done, you know, even on Kingdom, his, his show, you know, there's a lot of fight scenes and stuff like that because he's a martial artist. So watching him play, in the billions world has been really kind of fascinating. I think both as an audience member who enjoys the show, but also as somebody gets to be on, on set with him on occasion. Yeah. That's really cool. And uh, both uh, you and him remind me of Mickey. Uh, I'm talking about Mickey Rourke, uh, you know, one yes. of the guys who, who's you're a fan of, but, uh, and especially, you know, Frank in, in, in the character is really there are aspects of Mickey that are coming through uh, as as I'm watching, so it's it's fascinating to kind of watch all that happen. Uh, I did you know that that Mickey was like my first favorite actor? Like he was. I I read yeah I read that you know Mickey you know Marlon uh, one of the reasons why you kind of uh, you know were gravitating towards the actors uh, you know uh, studios because of them. But uh, as I'm talking to you and as I'm kind of seeing that level of introspection and the way that you you look at life i see that i've never had a chance to you know talk to mickey uh mickey rourke if you're watching uh please uh come on down i'd love to talk to you but um it's i see that and i, I see that in frank as well so it's very cool what's so funny funny but that, i mean it's so kind because everybody as a kid i was just so obsessed with mickey rourke I'm like well this oh, is yeah. a cool man in the history of people um mm. but uh when i first went to the actual drama school um one of my first teachers um uh, it's a woman named Elizabeth Kemp, who is uh, no longer with us. Um, God rest her soul. Uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful actor, wonderful, wonderful acting teacher. Um, if if I'm correct, if I'm correct, she was coaching Bradley for most of Bradley's stuff, mm. um, including Star is Born. I think she passed before Star is Born came out. Um, uh, but she, she was a literal angel on this earth. And I was in her acting class, and I think she, I think I don't know if this is true, but the lore was the legend when she was the youngest person to get into the actor's studio, um, and that she had worked with a lot and was friendly with um, 
Mr. Rourke. And so as a young, impressionable actor who had come, he was, again, anxiety of influence. He was one of the reasons that I didn't bother researching other graduate schools. I'm like, well, if that guy went there, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the second I found out that they were contemporaries who were, were you know, friendly and had, I think worked on scenes together, you know, stuff like that. Like I bothered her for about a month of like just, what was it like? how is it like working with him how is it like rehearsing with him until she i think she finally gracefully because she's again a graceful person had to listen maybe worry more more about your own work than you know what this you know um acknowledgedly a you know great artist did you know with me you know, 20 years before 30 years before um that's kind of you to say i'm going to hold on to that clip forever i don't uh, rarely comparison right i don't often get that comparison I, I honestly, that that's that's what came uh, across. So I don't ever lie. Um, I don't flatter uh, people. I say what, I say what I think. So it's that's that's honestly what I was thinking. Uh, well, if if it's valuable to anybody um, listening, um, I think one of the other reasons that I, I was so um, taken with him is, um, you know. Uh, was I just thought regard you know he's been very open I think sometimes talking about how he had career struggles, which by the way is very funny because like when he, he talks about some of his career struggles I can't obviously speak intelligently about anything that's going on personally, but and I understand like where he was you know when he was uh, at sort of the height of his um, career but. Even when he talked about how I ever read interviews where he's talked about like where he's at the career low point, you're still working pretty consistently. And I was like, well, you know, most actors will take that. Like, I get that, like, it may have been a, you know, an altitude change for you in terms of career trajectory, but you were still doing really well. Um, but he's been pretty open about how, like, some of the projects he did, he wasn't very proud of. But I think one of the reasons I was so taken with him um, was I watched a lot of those projects. I watched every, I'm a completist. So, like, um, you tell me about a band, I'll listen to everything they, they got. You tell me about a writer, I'll go read everything they do. Um, so I watched every Mickey Rourke movie. And there were these movies I knew that were not great. But I'm like, he's still doing a great job. He's still doing his work. He's still grounded in circumstances. And he's listening and he's he's doing all this wonderful stuff. And for me, that became, over time, as I learned more about the craft, that actually became a thing I held on to, which is, I think we'd all like to do great work. Again, I get to be on billions, right? I get to show up on this amazing set, this amazing show. Um, I, but I think what most actors should come to grips with is we're probably also going to do a lot of stuff that's not going to be great, right? Yeah. And um, if our only value as actors is that when we get great material, we can be great, our our value is kind of limited, right? And that we're gonna have to do a lot of stuff that for whatever reason, you know, maybe sometimes it's the writing, maybe sometimes it's the direction, maybe sometimes it's just the budget, right? There's gonna be a, a lot of limitations on us. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be our own fault, like where we are in our, our own craft. Um, if the only way we can be great is when we're put in an environment that uh, where it's easy to be great, um, our own value is gonna be limited. I talk about that a lot like when I'm in class and people will complain sometimes about the quality material we get, right? Um, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? You know, and you know, you'll hear people say like, I don't pay to like come to class and do this crappy scene. And I'm like, well, you, you actually kind of do mm-hmm. because you know, yeah, listen, we would all love to do Aaron Sorkin and, and Issa Rae and Shonda Rhimes and Shakespeare and 
you know, we, we would all love to do that. But the chances are at some point in your career, you're, you're going to have to handle some material that will not be yeah. um, of that quality. And I think that's where you can really um, demonstrate your value is by, by lifting up and enhancing um, uh, material that um, maybe, you know, it, it isn't of the, of the highest quality. That's what I saw with him that I thought was really admirable. I try to hold on to that. Yeah, it's it's he's great. Um, you know, I grew up uh, obviously watching him and uh, and loving his movies. So absolutely. Um, one other thing, and again, it just as as you were talking, it came into my head. Uh, you know, I said you reminded me of uh, of uh, Mr. Rourke, but your voice as as we're doing this interview and I'm listening to you speak, I'm like, I know this voice. I know this voice. And I have uh, one of one of my you know uh, talents is recognizing when somebody looks like somebody and when somebody sounds like somebody. I okay. know who you sound like. Uh, I wonder if you've ever heard this. Let me know. Your voice is almost almost identical to George Clooney. <laughs> um, I, I I have <laughs> this is so uh, I've I've gotten that. I can't speak for that. If if there's Again, who wouldn't want to be George Clooney? Who wouldn't want to sound like George Clooney? Who wouldn't want to be, you know? Um, uh, that's a very kind thing to say. I, I have no um, uh, control over that. That's certainly not a, a, a skill or a talent um, that I in any way um, engendered, or is engendered the right word? I'm not sure. Um, that, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, uh, any compliment to, to that man uh, is exactly that, a compliment. Um, I've gotten it once but I, I feel I feel like I'm sort of like his. If I were ever to be in a movie with George Clooney, I feel like I would be like his, like blue collar, like less successful, struggling, like baby brother, right? That he would constantly be looking at with pity and being like, "Get it together, man!" Right? <laughs> um, so uh, I think George Clooney is aspirational for me at best, yeah. but it's nice of you to say. It's listen, you know, people people can uh, can close their uh, can close their eyes and uh, rewind and listen to the voice. You'll you'll hear it. Uh, and uh, you know what you mentioned in terms of uh, of playing uh, George's brother. I'm not sure I agree with your assessment on it, but that would be a really fun role to play. I I mean, yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't want to act with them? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into martial arts, and then uh, we're gonna wrap things up because I've taken way too much of your time as is. Um, so. <laughs> judo, you know, Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, kind of that's that's where you uh, that's where you spent most of your time. How long have you been doing it? I know you're a black belt in BJJ. Right. Um, you, you, judo, I did since I was a little kid. Then you take, I took you know long breaks because of you know you get involved in this sport and then you get distracted by this. And so um, judo was my my beginning. Um, I don't know how much I rely on it anymore. Um, I feel like when I train with top judo players now at this point, I get I get a little lost just the way that the game has evolved. Jiu-jitsu, I've been doing for 12 years. Um, I got into it in New York. And I got into it the way most people get into it, which is uh, I was at the gym. And a buddy of mine was an MMA fighter um, who was training at Henzo's, Henzo Gracie's. Um, and uh, I think he was a blue belt. And he's like, do you want to wrestle one day? And 
like in, in an MMA, it, like in any sort of fight context, he would have destroyed me. But I had always felt very confident grappling. Again, I was a little kid who had got bullied a little bit, um, and but was able to sort of end that by hip tossing people. Um, yeah. um, and uh, so I I'd felt somewhat confident grappling. And so we, we was like, yeah, sure. So we went where like there were some mats and we wrestled. He must have choked me out like like literally like nine times in like two, three minutes. Like just anything I did, he wound up on my back with his arm around my neck. And I think, I feel grateful for this because I feel when something like that happens, and I've, I've witnessed both in addition to experiencing it, you're left with a very binary choice, I, I, I find from, from most people, is most people of a certain ego and insecurity um, will find a way to erase that from their 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 their, their memory banks from their consciousness will will ah, it doesn't really matter it doesn't count um that's not real fighting you know and they sort of um yeah. uh, you know, just sort of dismiss that from their from their their memory uh, or you do what I did which is you go well that was magic I I want to learn how to do that because that was yeah that should have been impossible and so I got involved uh, I started going to, I was very lucky too, um, because uh, I was training at two places. I was, um, I wound up signing up for class at uh, Shaolin's at Vitor Barros uh, in New York. Um, and again, you don't, you don't know what, what you know at the beginning. I knew Shaolin was cool. Um, I'd actually help in some ways, he was coming from Brazil and I actually in some ways helped him set him up in New York. Um, some small ways. Uh, uh, but I didn't, I, mean, I knew he was an MMA fighter and jiu-jitsu fighter, but I didn't know how great he was. Um, mostly because like he was my size, but also like the nicest guy in the world. And it was only once I started training him and looking him up, I was like, oh wow, this guy is, this guy arguably like was the greatest lightweight fighter in the world before BJ Penn. Um, and, uh, and I was also lucky in that um, I was doing privates at Henzo's with a man by the name of John Danaher. Um, yeah. And I'm lucky the way that happened uh, in that um, a friend of mine was doing privates with John and just knew I had started and texted me and was like, hey, I think this guy's amazing, which he is. Um, anybody who knows anything about jiu-jitsu or MMA knows, you know, the shadow of John Danaher and his legacy in the sport and what he's, how he's really changed fighting. Um, he goes, I think this guy's great, but he's just beating me up and it's just the two of us, so I can't really see any of it. So would you just come and be my partner? So Again, it was a dumb old white belt, but I would, you know, go to Shaolin's and get beat up by the whole class, and then go do these privates with with this, uh, you know, my friend and in, in Danaher, and was really, really lucky. Um, and it, it's funny because I think jujitsu is what taught me really um, the difference between talent and skill acquisition. I think before that, in terms of acting, I would, acting, I was very obsessed with the idea of whether I was talented or not, because it felt like a very um uh you know looking back on obviously it's a very uh static mindset um and isn't helpful right mm -hmm. um this idea of like well if you have talent you're going to be okay and if you don't have talent you're you're gonna have some problems right because there's no there's little you can do to correct to course correct that right um but i was very obsessed with that idea uh, whether it was talented or not. So anytime a scene went well or an audition went well, I felt like I was talented and I was going to be okay. And anytime a scene went poorly or or audition went poorly, I felt like I was untalented and I should quit the business and, and um, uh, 
you know, and was not a person of worth. And jiu-jitsu was the thing that taught me that like, oh, this is a skill at which I could get better at. And at some point, if you accumulate enough skills through persistence and, and mindful preparation and, and diligence, um, your your skill can uh, will appear as talent anyway, right? So whether you got there through diligence and 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 practice, um, or whether you got there through natural ability, you know, somewhere along the you know the that arc that that career timeline um those become uh, imperceptibly intertwined yeah. because of this you know, this appears the same thing so i became very grateful for jujitsu you know for, i first stayed with jujitsu because you, you everybody gets beat up like you just get beat up right mm -hmm. um because you're not good at it you're in a room with people who've been doing it for much longer um and um so initially i just kept coming back because i got beat up in my first class and i'm like well, I can't not come back. Then I'm the guy who like ran away after he got beat up. It was a very ego driven thing. Um, and, but, but at some point it became very addictive um, and helpful. I think not only the skill acquisition thing, but also I think the thing it helps me with is it's the only, it's pretty much the only thing that I deal with all day that trades an objective reality. Yeah. In entertainment, right? Um, there are some objective realities, but again, uh, there's so much subjective involved, right? Whether mm -hmm. a, a script may be object, it's nearly impossible for a script to be objectively good because it's going to appeal to someone's taste and not someone else's taste. Your scene is going to can't be objectively good because someone's going to have a different interpretation of how you played it or wished somebody who looked differently than you uh, was playing that scene. Um, Right. Or just didn't enjoy the material. There's so many variables that go in to what we do in entertainment that um, you have to resign yourself to the, the subjectivity to it. Jiu-Jitsu is the only thing where I'm like, you choke me, you choke me. Right. It's even different than other sports. I think one of the reasons you see like uh, debates in sports, whether it's basketball, is LeBron the best or is Michael Jordan the best is uh, for my money, by the way, it's Larry Bird, which is a very controversial opinion. Um, um, but um, you know, in football, is is Tom Brady the best? Or is Joe Montana the best? Yeah. And I think even in those sports that have objective results, one of the reasons you see that debate is not only errors, but because they have teammates, mm -hmm. right? And what I loved about jiu-jitsu is it's you and me, and we're going to work at this thing together. And at some point, there's going to be an objective result. You catch me in an arm bar. I can't blame my teammates for that. I can't yeah. say you know you just weren't interested in the material right yeah. you caught me in an armbar and that's it so it, in a lot of ways it, it's very helpful for me not only from pursuit of skill acquisition and in, in terms of persistence and grit and um i think developing resilience which have been helpful but also just in terms of having a place to go where there's there's a there's an objective reality to what's happening here yeah and now, you know, with the life imitating art or vice versa, because everything is intertwined, there was a season on Billions, which uh, one character on the other side of your house was spending a lot of time doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Did you have anything to do with that by any chance? I had nothing to do with it. Um, okay. When I got one of the earlier scripts, I was surprised and excited. Um, uh, 
you know, again, because that just personally appeals to me, the fact that they got Dan her to do it. I thought it was very funny the way they dealt with it, right? Yeah. Because that's also, you know, in specifically in jiu-jitsu, that's also a thing that requires a level of um, accommodation, right? It's this idea of the, the physical intimacy um, yeah. that, uh, uh, and so I think the way they dealt with that in terms of, of, of Chuck, I think was was really wonderful. I, I wish I could say I had something to do with it because it was such a delightful idea. But um, what I'll also say is that um, uh, I'm not the only guy on that set who's really good in jiu-jitsu. Oh. I'm not the only guy. In, I'm not the only guy person on that set who's um, uh, David Levine is um, was a he's the one who actually uh, oh I can't believe I didn't say this. David is the one who texted me to do the privates with Danner. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, Dave's a really badass purple belt. He's a very you know cool guy. He's a very unassuming guy. But uh, you see where David uh, his discipline comes from and sort of his. Um, persistence is that he's uh, I roll with him he's he has an interest in the martial arts I think it's a lifelong interest um it's something we always talk about when we're when we're together is, is jiu-jitsu and martial arts and um awesome. uh, yeah so I, I think I again I don't I, I don't I don't have any input into zero input into uh uh how the scripts are developed or the stories are developed right I just get the scripts that I'm, I'm going to get to be in and read them yeah. and enjoy um but uh uh I was delighted um, knowing Dave's interest in, in not only Danaher, but also Jiu-Jitsu, that that was a part of the show. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get to the lightning round uh, and wrap this up. Okay. You've been on a lot of projects and on some really, really interesting projects. Which would you say is your very favorite? Um, billions and dough for two different reasons. Okay. Um, billions because I'm so lucky. Uh, and it's again, it's going to acting school. Um, I'm so lucky they have me back, right? I'm so lucky I get to recur on that. Um, Doe, because it was my first time leading an independent movie, which mm -hmm. had always been my dream. Um, mm -hmm. It was a long path to get there, um, but I wanted to appreciate and soak up every moment of that. Um, so being able to, there was also a couple moments on Doe that just felt like, your initial sort of naive ambitions of why you get into acting and your idea of what could happen. Yeah. Um, it's happened on, on billions too, but there's, uh, there's a day on, on dough particularly. I was where I got to work with Mira Servino, um, who was amazing. And, but as somebody who grew up, um, admiring her, um, and she was somebody who, I was like, I dreamt about like, I would love to get to work with like her. So being able to sit on a set with her and work with her, um, it felt in my little arc of the, you know, it, it, in my little universe, it felt like something had come full circle for me to be able yeah. to do that. But those two, those two. That's yeah. wonderful. I don't know um, how light it was, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know how lightning round that was, by the way. I'm, I'm going to be terrible with the lightning round thing. This is great. This is great. I'm I'm only calling it lightning round because it made sense to me at the time, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, some some questions go by fast. Some questions, you know, right. take take longer. And I'm I'm great with ever all of it. Um, what was the weirdest thing that ever happened to you on a set? Um, weirdest thing that ever happened to me on a set. Um, stage. Okay. Uh, 
two things. Um, I did, there was, I did a production of Romeo and Juliet and it was a very classic Elizabethan production, right? So we're in the tights and we've got like the swords and I was playing Mercutio and we would do the play and then with the matinees and the weekends, they would do a day matinee during the week and then a weekend matinee. The day matinee, they would bus in kids um, mm-hmm. from all the schools to come see it. It was a large theater. It was like 600 people. And we're in the tights. And I remember we would always wear, I would always wear like a pair of like, like, uh, uh, like athletic shorts, right? Like, like uh, briefs basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, like Under Armour shorts and then like two pairs of tights. And I'm young and I'm stupid. And for some reason, uh, I'd gotten the theater that day and realized I had forgotten the the Under Armour shorts. And I think I was wearing boxers that day. So I didn't want to wear the boxers because I knew it would bunch up and the tights would look weird. So I went commando and just wore the shorts, just wore the tights. Um, yeah. Worn costume. I'm like, I'm going to take these home and wash them because you shouldn't have to wash these after this. And so, of course, that was the production where during the final fight with Tibble, my ripped through both sets of tights. Just full commando, mm. uh, higher death scene, Mercutio's entire death mm. with everything splayed out. The crowd was enthusiastic, <laughs> let's say, about um, this crowd of 500 kids who, you know, I don't think they teachers had prepared them for that moment. And mm. it, one of the most locked in I've ever been because like me and Romeo were like just staring at each other because we both knew that anything outside of our eyes was an absolute horror show. So that was one. And then God, it'd be Shakespeare again. I was doing the Scottish play and uh, this was a modernized version. And we had this idea, um, not an idea. We'd executed the fight. I was playing Macbeth. We're executing the fight with Macduff where, um, we had these guns and in the final showdown, I would leap up on top of um, the scaffolding mm-hmm. as very sort of John Woo Tarantino, right? So like as mm-hmm. I leapt up onto the scaffolding, he would circle underneath me and then we'd sort, so we'd be directly over each other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on top of each other. And um, he would, and there's at some point where he would fire a shot at me mm-hmm. up in the air. I don't remember the exact blocking of it. But what I do remember is at one point in one of the, the shows, I, I hit this. They, the director, who's a lovely dude, was very worried about me, about my ability to hit this every night. He's like, it's a really, it's a big jump, man. I'm like, I can make it because I'm macho and dumb. And But one night, my foot got caught in scaffolding, and I hit the edge of the scaffolding, like fell and hit the edge of the scaffolding. And my own prop gun went off in my face which if you've um you know if you've done stage work right you're working with those those block barrel guns the safest play to be the safest place to be with with a prop block barrel gun is actually having it directly facing you because there's nothing this way the most dangerous place is to be directly behind it because whatever you know whatever uh blowback there is whatever discharge comes out that way and so i hit this and literally my exploded and I spent the whole like last five minutes of play like underwater <laughs> that's probably th- those two were the this this most surreal things that happened to me 
on on yeah. stage. Going, yeah, yeah, that's that's no big deal. So going back to the first thing that happened to you, is that before you did Equis or you did Equis after that? Because if you did I it before, done, it I, had done Equus, I had done Equis before, but at least I was prepared for Equis, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. after that point, it's like, okay, I don't care. I'm, I, I can do, I can do anything. I, I've had to do nudity a few times, um, both in film, TV, and on stage, and mm -hmm. uh, um. <laughs> I think the obvious point is it's it's always better when you're prepared for it. You know? Yeah, I think then... so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, now here's here's one that um, may take a little while to answer because you have worked with so many incredible actors. But um, who's the best actor you've ever had to work with? <laughs> um, that. You know, there's a bunch of nominees I could I could name here. Um, so, at the risk of, yeah, here's I'm going to say this just because the audience that you're that you're um, is watching is mostly going to be other actors. Um, mm -hmm. That production of of Macbeth that I did, there yeah. was um, the the gentleman who played Macduff was a gentleman by the name of Christopher Burke. Chris. Yeah. I had gone to grad school together. We were at the Actors Studio program together. Mm -hmm. uh, done a bunch of projects together. Um, Chris was the guy that when you would, when he would put a scene up, I'd watch his scene and be like, I gotta get to work. I'm, I'm highly competitive. I think in a good way. I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I do my best to be very encouraging of other actors. So, I, I don't, I'm never attempting to sort of psychologically intimidate or or um devalue other actors i think i'm I, I try to be supportive in that way but i am competitive in the sense that when i see really great acting i want it to elevate um my own work and chris was that guy for me um in grad school and then we got to work on a couple projects um after school together um from what i understand chris isn't acting anymore um, cause it's just, it's, I remember sitting in the actor studio, like the initial commencement, wherever that is. Right. And I remember Lipton saying, turn to your left, turn to your right. Both people on the sides of you probably will not be pursuing this in five years. And I remember thinking, well, that's not going to apply to me. And I'm lucky enough that through sheer persistence, it didn't. Um, but, uh, Acting's a really hard gig, and for a, a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with the acting. You know, I could. So when you ask me who the best actor is, I could say Joel Delafuente. I could say um, a bunch of people. A bunch of people I'm with. You know, I could say Jennifer Landon. Uh, I could say, you know, I could say Dame Maggie. Um, they. A, a, Stacey Oristano, I could say a bunch of people. Um, but I think when people ask me who's the best actor you ever work with, I think of Chris because of how intimately we're able to work with at the beginning of our career. But also, I think we we're talking before about like how many actors are unemployed. And at some point, if you're unemployed long enough, you got to go figure out another career, right? And I just think seeing how great he was 
how inspirational he was and how dedicated he was. The fact that, from what I understand, he's not acting anymore is tragic. And so I, I probably would pick him for the romantic tragedy aspect of that, that I just think it's, I think we all know actors like that, where it's like, and you don't want to be that actor, but it's like, this has nothing to do with your ability or your talent or your skill or your, there's just other life variables that get in the way. And I wish they didn't, because they don't seem to in other careers. Just the art. It's true. Thank you. Um, which series or film out there you wish you were cast in? Oh, I mean, all of them. Because uh, <laughs> who doesn't want a job? Um, uh, films that I've seen recently. Um, you know, I just... You know, if, if you're talking historically, you know, West Wing is another great uh, favorite of mine. Sopranos is another favorite of mine. Breaking Bad is another favorite of mine. Um, Kingdom, which which uh, Grill did because, you know, again, I, I, I love jiu-jitsu and, you know, the MMA world and sports combat. Um, films, you know, there's, 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 there's so many. I remember watching... Um, a star is born, you know, again, having gone to, to school at Bradley and it, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was a great performance, but there was also, you know, to watch him and be like, I mean, they did it. This is in a world where so many, particularly films now, right? Where again, I love the Marvel movies. I cried 40 times at, uh, at Endgame and, you know, I, I've watched literally, yeah, watched literally every Marvel movie. But in a in a world where, you know, uh, a lot of features seem to be, um, we'll see what happens post COVID. But a lot of features seem to be immersed in, you know, pre existing intellectual property, and um, it has to be part of a concept that you can sell T shirts for. And you know, I remember watching Stars Born at that time, feeling like. Not only was it a great performance, not only was he somebody that I had, you know, had been a, again, we were never close. I think we were friendly, but you know, we didn't traffic in the same circles. I thought he was a very good actor. Um, uh, even, you know, back in school, I thought he was very talented, worked very hard. I admired him, but watching something like Star is Born, I was like, you did it, man. Like th this, this type of movie is rare. Yeah. And, and, and to, for you to do it and do it this way, the way like, the way De Niro would have done it, the way Warren Beatty would have done it, the way Brando would have done it, the way, you know, um, a lot of the people that were heroes for us, the way Clint Eastwood would have done it. Um, I think something like that, you know? Yeah. But I'll take anything, man. Put me in a movie. <laughs> I got you. Um, what's one thing most people don't know about you that we haven't talked about? Oh, boy. Um... What's one thing? Well, I think if you uh, know me, I'm trying to think. I don't know because I feel like if you know me intimately, like you know everything about me, <laughs> um, and I, I don't ever really regard. Again, I'm always surprised anybody even recognizes me as Chef Ryan. So I can't imagine that anybody has any. I can't imagine there's any personal characteristic about me that people who don't already intimately know me would be surprised to learn because I can't imagine how much time they'd spend thinking about me. Um, uh, I love musicals. 
I don't, I can't do them. Uh, you know, uh, I've got a moderate to remedial singing voice, probably a terrible singing voice. Can't dance. Never again, never grew up on it, but I've cried at every musical I've ever attended. Right. And I've always gone in with like my arms folded. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm going here because I'm like, yeah. but like, then you go and you watch Rent and you cry and then you go and you watch Wicked and you cry and you watch Lava Women and you cry and you, you know, I watched Hamilton, thank God for Disney Plus. I was like, you know, um, yep. you know, cried. Um, God, uh, what's the song? Um, satisfied, like that just blew me away, broke my heart. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if people would be surprised by that. Um, you know. Um, uh, I'm with you. That that song that hit uh, right here, yeah. because and I, I had the similar thing with Pippin when I went to see Pippin. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, oh, that hit so close. Yeah. Oh, that that hurt. So, and you know, I, I don't expect it to because on an intellectual level, like the concept of like breaking into song is goofy and. Um, but there's something about being in a theater and seeing it and it's literally the vibration, like, you know, some wonderful actor will like literally hit a note, sustain it. And there'll be a chord and you're like, well, that there, there's no intellectual resistance to that because that hit me somewhere physically and chemically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. Last question for you. Um, if you had a chance to give one uh, piece of advice to a young Tim that's just starting out acting, what would that be? Focus. And then I say this to every young actor I ever meet. And I wish I would have uh, known this at the time. Um, Everybody who can give you a job, and consciously or subconsciously, ask themselves three questions and ask them in this order. Number one, do they look like what we're casting? Number two, can they act what we're casting? And sometimes it's messed up, it's not the other way around, but it's a business of moving pictures. What are you going to do? It's, it's my dog barking at the, at the car outside. So. Hey, we're that this is this is the world we're living in. So live. What kind of dog? Uh, we rescued him, so uh, we were never told what he is uh, technically, but he's a lab and Rhodesian Ridgeback uh, mix. Oh, what was his name? His name is Buddy. He's he's awesome. We we love him. He's going the house. He's doing his job. Yeah. Um, so, you. yeah. Uh, so one, you know, can they do they look like what we're asking? Two. Um, can they act what we're acting? Uh, and number three is how long do I want to be in a room with this person? Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I would, I was so interested when I was young in projecting an idea of the type of actor I wanted to be. And I think I was incredibly difficult and I was incredibly combative and I was incredibly unhelpful to the other people around me in ways that are embarrassing for me to think about now. So if you've worked with me or uh, at any of those times, I, I apologize. Some of you have been able to apologize too directly already, but um, I have a lot of regrets about how I conducted myself, which probably is why I struggled at the beginning. But I think um, figure out how to be a value to people in the room, right? Um, sometimes that means being really good at your job, usually means that, but that's usually just the initial 
question. Sometimes it's also, again, like I said about the people I'm building, it's like be a person of worth, be an exemplary person, right? Um, I think that's, I'm going on about this, but I, I, I talk a lot, a lot about this, you know, when I'm talking to young actors is that at, at some point, it's not just can like the casting director trust you, you put, can, you know, because their job's on the line too, right? And they push you for a part. Um, but also at some point, right, if you're, if you're going in for a co-star on, you know, any of the shows with alphabets, right? NCIS, CSI, yeah. you're, you're, there's, that's a machine that's been running, right? So can you fit into the machine for that day, do your job, make sure everybody's going to make their day, still tell the story in, in a way that has, you know, agency and, and efficacy for you as an artist, but also can you keep the train running, right? Uh, in a way in which you're not a distraction from the job. That's always part of it, right? But then also, like, if you're going in for, like, a series regular on a show, mm -hmm. right? At some point, the other people who are watching you are going, do I want this person in my life 12 to 16 hours a day, five to six days a week, three to nine months out of the year, for, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, the next five or six years? And you want that answer to be yes. And so I think that's the big thing I would tell young young me is focus and then be somebody people want in the room. Yeah. Perfect. I <laughs> Perfect. thank you. Yeah. I, I have a lot more questions, but we're not gonna get to them because this is great. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on and spending this time and sharing uh so much I got people people should be watching this rewinding watching it again there's so much information that they can um, take away and get better in terms of becoming a person an actor and uh, you know just a human being in general so thank you thank you man it was honored that you asked me nice. I was happy to surprise everybody asked me to show up anywhere so <laughs> perfect well um Thank you to everybody who, uh, who's watching. We really appreciate it. Thanks for staying with us. Um, keep learning. Comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're here for you because we love acting as much as you do. Cool.